In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Good day, it's Father Tom and Anthony today, and we're looking at the letter of James, chapter 1, verse 19. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. We had Father's Day, and we got some beautiful things for Father's Day. I have no natural children, but I have beautiful spiritual children. And I got some beautiful things. And they're not things. It's God's cards that they sent me. And their words all were so beautiful. So we're looking at James 1, 19. You must understand this. What does it mean, understand? Stand under. Stand under. My beloved, let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak. <laughs> Are we quick to listen and slow to speak? Are we quick to speak and not listen? You know, that's something that we need to watch. Be a good listener. And you know what? This world needs good listeners. People want to tell people their story, and not many people want to listen. That's a sad thing. Everyone has a story, and they need people to listen to them. The story of their conversion, the story of their childhood. Oh yes, be a good listener, and you will know how to pray. When people tell me and share their innermost beings with me, I know how to pray because they've told me how to pray. Be a good listener. And it says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. <laughs> I had a dream the other night that I was so angry with somebody. And you know what I do? I say, Lord, I'm coming to the cross. I'm borrowing your forgiveness. I do not want to be angry with this person, no matter what this person did to me. I do not want to be angry. I come to the cross and borrow forgiveness from the cross. People ask me, how do I forgive? I take them to Calvary. Jesus, on the cross, forgave us and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what do we do? Jesus, I want to borrow the forgiveness from you to forgive this person. And forgiveness, it's an act of the will. So how do we forgive? We just say, Jesus, I forgive them. And you could say it doesn't, I don't feel like I forgive them. It doesn't matter because forgiveness is an act of the will. So if you forgive them and you say that you forgive them, that's all that Jesus is looking for. And that's why you can't hold unforgiveness and anger within you. 
It's it's toxicity. It's not only toxic for your spiritual life, but if you, you know, the Bible says do not go to sleep with anger because it, it produces toxicity in your blood, toxic, and it makes you feel sick. So you got to just release it all to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I give this person to you. I forgive them. And eventually your your the, your feelings about them will come into alignment. Therefore, rid yourself of all sorrowness and rank gross of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls, the word of God, the power to save your souls. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you while we were yet sinners. That's an implanted word in my heart. I know it's true because the Word of God tells me it's true. And not merely hearers, be doers of the Word. For if you are hearers of the Word and not doers, then you are like a person looking at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves an ongoing way, immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserve being not hearers only, but forget to be doers and act. We're called to be doers of the word. We're not called to just say, well, I believe. I believe Jesus saved me. Like, what are you doing to show that Jesus saved you? Like, what are you doing? Do you care for people? Do you listen to people? Do you pray with people? You know, people that are sensitive, when they're on the phone, they tell me, so many people tell me their troubles. I know this is true. So what do you do after someone tells you all their troubles? You hang up? No. You pray. You say, I'm going to say a prayer for you. I'm going to ask God to enter into all this pain. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Yeah, we want faith and works. So it's about just applying the word of God into your life. You know, if we read something about in the Bible, if we learn something about Jesus, but then we don't act it out, we forget it. It's like he who observes himself in the mirror and goes away, he forgets what he was like. So when you when everything that Jesus did, you know, you just want to do that for other people. You want to be Jesus for other people. You want to release the love of God to other people. And then when we minister to other people, Jesus comes and he ministers directly to you. When you go and minister to other people, then Jesus comes and he ministers directly to you. If anything, they are religious. I don't like the word religious. I like the word faithful. And they do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts. Their religion is worthless. Oh yeah, the tongue is connected to the heart. 
Like, what are you saying? Are you into gossip? Well, you know, that priest, he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. You know, gossip. I remember being at a restaurant and uh, the two women were beside us and they were talking about a friend of mine and they were slamming him. And I'm sure they went to communion that day, slamming the priest. And this priest is a good priest. He works for the Lord. He's given his life to Jesus. He's a new creation. And they were slamming him. How sad, how sad, how sad. Are we, are we gossiping about the Pope or are we praying for him? You know, we're just called to pray. And it's funny because in the spiritual lives, the things we don't like about other people and we see in other people, those are always the things that we have in ourselves. And God is using that person to mirror our weaknesses. So, you know, when we look at someone and don't like the way they're acting, it's actually a part of us that we don't like or wouldn't be so highlighted to us. When we learn to love other people, we learn to love really our shadow self because our bad behavior is other people is a reflection of ourself. This is the school of self-knowledge. So when we're pointing a finger at someone else's behavior, you know what we're really doing? We're really just pointing the finger at ourselves. And we really think about it, we realize that this is something that is in us at our worst. So you you understand? So when there, when you have someone in your life and there's just something that you can't stand about them and it just grinds on you and you want to gossip and you want to speak badly about them, Jesus is using that person as a mirror to you. And, you. and we usually have that same trait within us. And that's why it is so strong and so powerful and we can't stand it in the person. If it wasn't within us, if it wasn't within me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me the way it bothers me. So it's just to be wisdom. So when there's something in someone that, you know, that kind of grinds on me, I just, now I just laugh and I say, well, Lord, this must be in me. Thank you for revealing this to me. And then, you know, when you can't control your thoughts about the person or you want to just speak about them, or you just get to just pray. You just stop praying for them. You just say a Hail Mary, you say an Our Father, you say a Glory Be, and you just pray for them because, you know, it's a, hero a heroic virtue to pray, of pray for one's enemies. And in reality, no one's your enemy. You know, no one's your enemy. God just uses other people as tools to sanctify us. So the person who you're having the most problems with in your life or you seem to, that's the person you need to love on the most because that is a person whose God is using as a vessel for your sanctity far greater than anyone else in your life. You see, Jesus, he came to install the upside-down kingdom. So the person you want to gossip about the most, that's a person who Jesus is using the most in your life to make you holy. So you thank Jesus for them. You praise Jesus for them. You pray for them. You know, even if they're giving you a little bit of persecution, Jesus promised persecution comes with the ticket. But 
when you when you get these emotions and feelings, you get a grace to to offer heroic virtue to the Father by praying for them, by loving for them, and just by seeing your weaknesses reflected in them. This thing about pointing, I'm I'm pointing now at Jessica. I've got three fingers pointing back at me. I remember in school when I taught school, I told the children, when you point to somebody and you make something bad about them, you've got three fingers pointing right back to you. Everything, everything you see in anyone else which you would criticize or slander is a weakness or you think that this is a weakness in their soul, God is revealing to us this is a weakness in our soul. And whatever we criticize in someone else is in our soul. So I, God has opened this up to me, and I realize, oh, no, Lord, I have so many so many weaknesses and so many holes in my soul. But, like, thank you, Lord, for using all these people to reveal this in me, in me, in me. Religion that is pure, undefiled before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. Do you care for orphans? Do you care for widows? Do you care for these people that are out in the street? Do you care for the people that you would not want to get close to? We're going to talk about that in a couple of verses. This is so important, to care for those people. You see, the church gave up its mission to the poor when it gave it over to the state. They gave it over to the state, and the state doesn't care for the poor. The the state empowers the poor with money, and they don't know what to do with it. We need to care for the poor, not only give them money. Just recently, I gave somebody something, and I said to my heart, I bought their soul for God. They needed something so that they could pay their telephone bill. And I said to myself, I bought their soul for God. I did not only give them money, I want something spiritual to happen to them, that they become a new creation, not only them, but their family. Yeah. You know, in the, in the spiritual life, the closer we become to Jesus, the poor actually, they become so attractive to us. The poor becomes like, you know, like a, like a bug to a light. Like we're just drawn to the poor because Jesus within us is so drawn to the poor. And the poor and the people who are needy, you know, we we see Jesus in them. We're filled for love with them. We, When I see a poor person now or just a person on the street or anyone, you know, I try to love everyone the same. When I see someone well-to-do, I say, good. But if I see someone who's homeless, poor, addicted to drugs, like, I can't, I can't stay away from them. The Jesus in me just beelines to them and just wants to pray for them, wants to give them heaven, wants to fill them with the love in a way which is far more powerful than just 
seeing a normal person on the street. You see, it, it, it's a grace, but this is a fruit of like the contemplative life, the Christian faith of being in Jesus, that the poor people, they become so attractive to us. You know, we go down to Methadone Mile, feed the poor in the weekends, and those are some of like the, the most happy, best times. And you know, we learn a lot of times, we get more from the poor or we get, we think we're going to give to them, but they're giving to us because they're so grateful. They're humble. They're filled with the love of God. They're, they're open to receive the love of Jesus. And you know, it's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. We're called to give to those who can't give back to us because you know, then Jesus gives back to us. We don't get to give, but it's just a spiritual principle. So are the poor, are the dirty, are the homeless, are they attractive to you? Can you not stay away from them? If so, you're operating in the kingdom of God. My brothers and sisters, chapter 2. Do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the other one is poor, you say, stand there or sit at my feet. You see, I remember once that I did that with the rich and I made a fool out of myself. I remember once I said, you know, the Lord wants to prosper your law experience. He wasn't even a lawyer. I was trying to say because he had money. I never again did anything like that. Once was enough. I made a fool out of myself. God cares for the poor. God cares for the broken. That's why he cares for you. We are all poor and needy. Psalm 40. Every one of us are poor and needy. And we come to recognize our own poverty. God can fix us. He can heal us. He can bless us. Why are people calling me at all times? Because I'm broken and I'm poor. And that's real. That's who I am. So I can care for the brokenness and poverty of other people. I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about what is in a person's heart. Poor and needy. You know, the flesh in us loves the wealthy, but Jesus in us, in the spirit, loves the poor. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. A lot of times, that's the greatest charity, the strangers, the outcasts, the people who were in a room of 100 people, but they're the ones who feel alone. They're the ones you can tell who, you know, that they don't have friends, they don't, they don't feel love. Those are the people we're called to go for. The more poverty of spirit someone held, the more someone, you know, how much 
you know they need Jesus, you know they need help. Those are the people what Jesus wanted the most. I needed clothes and you closed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Whatever you did for one of the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So we're, we're called to make no disparagements between rich or poor because it's all about the soul and, you know, money doesn't matter. But a lot of the times, you know, Jesus has us go for the poor and the homeless and the needy because the whole world will always go. The world system, the people of the world, they'll go for the rich. They'll go for the well-off. They'll want their attention and focus, and they'll just forget about the people who don't have in the world the have-nots. But Jesus, he came for the have-nots. He came for sinners. And we're just called to be Jesus in this world because most people who came to Jesus, at one point in our lives, we, we were the have-nots. We were the sinners. We were the people who were destitute because, you know, it takes us to a place of humility, and only in a place of humility are we ready to receive Jesus? When we have everything in the world, sometimes why do we need Jesus? I'm doing great on my own. I got a good job and a nice car and a family. What do I need Jesus for? It's the people who the Lord allows to go to the the, the lowest places that are, re are ready to receive the love of God, the power of God, the divine life. The Lord wants to lift them up out of the miry clay. And you got to let Jesus work through you to do it. Jesus has no hands but yours, no mouth but yours, no feet but yours. And you know, the spiritual graces are so far greater than the monetary. Money is nothing. You know, Philippians says, My God will provide for my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus knows all your needs that you need. If you believe in him, he'll take care of all your needs. He'll get you what you need. It might not be a mansion. He'll get you shelter. It might not be a Maserati. He'll get you a car if you really have faith in that. But you want the spiritual gifts, the greater gifts. You want the, you want the gifts of heaven. And you know, even when we're feeding the homeless, the Bible tells us you never know when you're going to entertain an angel. You never know. And the angels are, the angels are hanging around the homeless and the drug addicts and the, and the places where people of the world won't want to go, but where the places where the people of Jesus flock to. I remember many years ago, we went to evangelize in a certain place. It was a bar. We didn't order anything to drink, but we went to evangelize to bring Jesus to somebody. And I remember a man and a young woman, we started talking to them. And they said, why don't we go across the street? Uh, they sell cocoa and stuff. And we went across the street. We're thinking that we want to evangelize them. They took the bill and they talked about how good things were. And I, I remember the bell ringing when they left. I ran to the door. I couldn't find them. I believe they were angels. I ran to the door right after the bell rang, and I couldn't find them. We were going to go help them, but they helped us. These are the things that happen when you live by faith. When you live by faith, we see Abraham ministering to three people.
he tells Sarah, get some bread for them, get some oil, get some meat. There were three angels. They represent the Trinity. Abraham cared for angels, but he didn't know it. Let's continue. Have you not made a distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's no good thing just to be poor. God doesn't want us poor unless we take the vow of poverty. God wants to enrich us. He wants to get us out of the hole. Like if you have plastic cards and you're paying 22% on them, God wants you to get rid of that, get rid of that debt quickly, 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 because you shouldn't be paying 22% to the company. Get rid of your debt. Get rid of your debt. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.